when looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. What up? Excuse me while I whip this out. Oh, gnarly! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. I knew it, I'm surrounded by assholes. And good evening, friends! With over 30 years of experience and a superb reputation for being a detail-oriented company, Lacey Cleaning has some of the highest work standards in the cleaning business. That's the fact! Whether it's carpet cleaning, tile, grout cleaning, new construction cleanup, rental turnovers, vent and duct cleaning, odor elimination, office and or business cleaning, power washing, residential cleaning, you name it, they do it. Check them out. To contact them today, LaceyCleaning at gmail.com or call them at 609-709-8536. That's what I'm talking about. Thinking your day is bad and really looking to make it worse? Why not try downloading this new classic set of music that will be dropping so far off the charts there's bound to be injuries. Now that's what I call depressing. It's gonna make those who are even close to having the slightest glimmer of hope want to jump off the highest of planks. For those that are getting Now That's What I Call Depressing, you'll be getting that song that reminds you of that relationship with those cougars, Wrinkled Ladies. For those who weren't really into cougars, but those who had that special friend while in Sail Black 2B, we got for you this clusterfuck that will put you in therapy for years to come. With cheeks wide open. Who the fuck writes this shit? Oh hell, we're still recording this commercial. Always with you, it cannot be done. Those that rather have it out than in. This loaded hit will be dropping soon. Farthing in the USA. For those who place their order by calling or ordering online, the next hundred folks will receive their choice of either a noose of good quality that won't snap, an installation of a new outlet next to your bathtub so you can now blow dry your hair in a full tub. Or the choice of the right gang to just beat the fuck out of you. Call us today at 1-800-FUCK-THIS.
Hi, this is Jamie Moyer, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. University, 25-year Major League veteran, pitcher, and many other things, such as World Series champ, all-star, Jamie Moyer. Jamie, how are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself, Jonathan? I can't complain other than this uh, damn coronavirus, but what are we going to do? Hopefully the smarter people than uh, folks like myself can figure out what's going on so we can go back to normal life. Yeah, I'm sure things will get figured out at some point here, but it is very unfortunate. Yeah, it um, is what it is. Really, really kind of got in the way of a lot, a lot of things in our society, in our life. Yeah, you, you know, it's funny. I heard somebody say uh, who was doing one of those uh, TV concerts, uh, Garth Brooks actually goes, make a joke of it saying, you know, it's funny that we want to get back to everything we normally bitch about, but... Hey, you know, we gotta have a little fun with it if we can. Exactly. Exactly. So, first and foremost, uh, how are you doing nowadays? A uh, couple years out of the game, uh, as far as how you feel physically and everything else like that. Because you know, being a pitcher, that's not a normal position. At least how we throw the ball in terms of baseball. Yeah. I'd- I've actually had uh, some foot problems. I've had some sur- couple surgeries with my feet, and uh, other than that, you know, I'm doing fine. Um, and um, you know, I don't do a whole lot uh, other than you know, I'm dad and just enjoying life. Yeah, because uh, you know, when I was thinking of that question, obviously, I was thinking of mechanics of like our shoulders. And- elbows and everything else like that. And I know going into your last year, I heard you had an elbow surgery, so, you know, I figured I'd ask to see how you're doing. But yeah. First, I, you know, yeah, just, go ahead. Sorry. I don't really, I don't do a whole lot of throwing and things like that, so it really doesn't, you know, I don't have any issues. But if I probably put it to the test, um, you know, um, I don't know that uh, I'd be feeling that great. So I, I try not to push it in that regard. Exactly. So, uh, obviously, you are one of four guys or four major league players to have played within at least four decades. But, uh, or excuse me, one of only 29. I was thinking of another stat with a four, but, uh, who have played in more. But one of 29 guys who have played at least one game within four decades. How were you able to do it, especially as a pitcher, to have such longevity for a career? Well, it's funny. We were just talking about health, <laughs> post-career health. Um, you know, during my career, 
uh, I was able to stay quite healthy, and uh, it was it was something that uh, you know was important to me. And you know, I mean, I do have control over it, but you don't have control over it. So, you know, there's a lot of wear and tear that goes into your body. That doesn't, regardless of what position you play, uh, whether you're an everyday player or if you're a pitcher, if you're a relief pitcher, and you're finding different ways to put stress on your body. Um, but you know, you're always as an, as an active player, you're always, you know, trying to find ways to, to, uh, promote healthiness and durability, um, and, and consistency on the field. And, uh, I don't know that I was able to do that, the consistency part early in my career, but as, uh, as I moved through my career, I felt like I was able to, you know, create some consistency for myself. Yeah. Cause. The funny thing when you think about that health and consistency and everything else, when you were coming up uh, starting at 86 compared to where we're at now as far as professional athletics or just health in general, that when you were coming up, we didn't think about probably nutrition and exercise. And, you know, we did, but we it's not as a science as we have today. There wasn't as much emphasis put on it in 1986 as there is today. Uh, I think, you know, our society, number one, uh, has come, you know, full circle when it comes to that kind of stuff. And there's become so many people that have become specialists in those areas. And there's been a lot of research uh, to things that are better for you or healthier for you. Um, you know, they've also put a lot of time and effort into recovery. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's a big part of it too. It's, you know, it's recovery. It's interesting because you, I mean, you can talk about all these things for, for, you know, each topic for days. And, you know, a big thing with baseball recovery is, is huge because, uh, you know, you play basically Every day for 162 days. I mean, actually, I think they consider a full season 172 or 183 games with um, all the off days. But, you know, that's a lot of baseball and a lot of travel through a lot of time zones. And you got to figure out a way to, first of all, stay healthy and find ways to try to recover. So you got to learn how to let your body rest. Well, that's an interesting point that you brought up in that answer uh, just a second ago. Did you find it that it would wear you down more from the physical play or the travel? <laughs> Both. <laughs> it just depends. Um, you know, it, it, I think when, you, when you're in a losing situation, it wears you down. If you're in a winning situation, you don't feel worn down because there's so much excitement and adrenaline going on, right? But when you get to the end of a season uh, or end of that season, you know, and I'll give you an example, in 08 and 09, you know, I was fortunate enough to play on some teams that uh, went to a World Series, and in 08 we won a World Series with the Phillies, Um you know, adrenaline carries you through the playoffs, but when when uh, when the season was actually over, when the World Series was actually over, um, it was unbelievably exhausting. 
especially, you know, you bring up a good point about that World Series, especially the one you won in 08. I had heard, and you know how things are on the Internet, whether everything's true at least, uh, the game you pitched during that 08 World Series against the Rays, was it true that you had a stomach virus going into that game? I did. I did. I wasn't feeling very well. Um, and it's had a, it started a couple of days before, and it probably lasted. I didn't feel normal for a couple of weeks after, believe it or not. I don't know if it was stomach virus or what it was, but I was a little too stubborn to, uh, you know, see a doctor and just put up with it. And it felt like the World Series was a little more important. Yeah, because when you think about it, how many people can say, especially as someone who grew up in the Philadelphia area, wow, I'm pitching for essentially my hometown team in a World Series, you know. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, it was one of the situations, you know, you, you, as, a little, as a little boy, even as an, an active player, you know, you dream about playing uh, in a World Series and, you know, when that day comes for to start a game, you know, I wasn't feeling well and it was like, well, you know what, I'm going to figure out a way to deal with this and try to block it out and, and move on from there. But did you at least inform anybody that, hey, just so you know, um, you, not that you were trying, I'm not saying you were trying to make excuses for anything. Uh, no. But did no, you at least let Charlie no. know, say, hey, just. No, I actually, I, I talked to our trainers and, you know, I had some some bodily functions that were working, you know, like they normally do. So we, I had to take some medication to slow things down a little bit. Yeah, that's what I meant. Just so somebody was aware of, you know, the yeah, personal yeah, health. Yeah, yeah, it did. It didn't. Uh, it didn't really affect. I don't believe it really affected my performance, other than between innings, I felt really lousy. Yeah, you get hydrated, do all the you know normal right, stuff. That you would right, right. Right, exactly. But, you know, I found it interesting doing some reading about you, that when you first had your uh, game or first performance at the big league level, you actually got to play against the Phillies and start to pitch Steve Carlton. How right. intimidating that, is that to pitch against a Hall of Famer from your hometown club, or were you able to just make well, a focus? you know what, it was... And it wasn't necessarily intimidating. It was, um, like I, I grew up watching, you know, watching the Phillies and Steve Carlton was a left-handed pitcher and just so happened to be my idol. Um, so, um, you know, to have, you know, I think I was more awe of that than anything else. But one, you know, once the game started, um, you know, those thoughts, those ideas, those feelings, you know, they were removed and, you know, really trying to be focused on uh, the task at hand, and that was to go out and be uh, a pitcher that was uh, going to create some consistency. Now, as far as that is concerned, uh, and I talked to several former big leader, big leaders. I actually spoke to Billy Ripken last week, who came out with his uh, new book, State of Play. I've spoken to Jason Kendall who's interesting on, and completely on the other side of the spectrum there as you, looking at the game from a catcher. How much homework mm-hmm. would you put into getting ready for a game when you knew you were going to be starting as far as uh, looking at stats and old film and just everything that people don't realize that go into the game? 
Well, you know, I, I came into this game and there really wasn't a whole lot of, you know, we back when I first came into this game, they were using VCRs and video from. What's that thing? <laughs> uh, excuse me? I said, what was that thing? A VCR. Yeah, ex- exactly. Exactly. And so they were using, you know, center field camera shots. The camera, you know, the camera strength wasn't that great. Um, so you didn't really have the ability to have different views and being able to fast forward things or slow things down to the point where you could go frame by frame by frame by frame, you know, to look at hitters or to look at your own pitching mechanics. Uh, so, you know, we, we relied on advanced scouting, which meant that somebody that was, uh, following the team that we were currently playing right before we played them, um, and writing down their, their ideas, thoughts, and opinions on how pitchers were pitching from the, that opponent or how hitters were hitting or what their tendencies were. Um, again, it was all somebody's opinion. And uh, we, they compiled that information and passed it on to, uh, you know, to to the – you know, manager of the team, and and that's how we dealt with information. In today's world, uh, it's a little different. Um, you, know, you can go uh, into a video room, and you could say, uh, I would like to see all the curveballs for strikes that uh, Burt Blylevin threw. Or you could say, let me see all the curveballs swinging and missing that Burt Blylevin 11 has thrown. Or you could say, how many curveballs uh, that were balls that Burt Blylevin threw? Or how many curveballs Burt Blylevin threw in a 2-2 count? And you punch that information, or any of that information, into a computer, and within seconds, it pulls up those scenarios. So you can basically see anything you want from a pitcher, and you can do the same thing in regards to a hitter. So, again, there's a lot of information out there. But the, the thing about the information, it's you know, it's a word, word, a phrase that we use, paralysis by analysis. And, you know, when you get too much information, for some people, when you get too much information, um, all of a sudden, you, that kind of gets in the way, and you you don't let your natural abilities take over, and let your you know, and you're not using your natural abilities to play the game. You're playing the game by uh, stats, computers, and you know things that you're seeing in the information that you're looking up. So, you know, back to your original question, uh, I tried to be. I learned uh, from players like Vance Law. And guys like that, when I first came up to the big leagues, who kept little notebooks in the dugout on pitchers um, and their times to the plate, uh, what pitches they started them out with, what pitches they got them out with, um, all of a sudden I started taking that and using that to my advantage and starting to take notes on the hitters as uh, I was facing hitters or watching hitters on the field. And so I started to compile little notebooks on hitters and lineups and teams. 
And uh, as I went through my career, I started to get better and better and better at it. And then what I would do is I would then take information off the pitching charts, which were charts that were used for uh, to track pitches that our own pitchers threw uh, to hitters and start to take information and opinions off of that. And, you know, what I ended up doing is creating a game plan from that and, um, you know, at least went into the game with some sort of a plan. Well, how big was the gut instinct or the human aspect of the game? Because it's nice to be able to go in with a game plan, like you said, but maybe certain throws might be off of you that night or certain hitters are doing this or doing that. How much uh, communication would there be, say, between innings with your catcher and that, you know, that gut human instinct to yeah, again, in real time? Yeah, yeah that, that was really, really important. We relied heavily on, uh, on instinct um, or feel for the game, I think, and that's something that probably isn't as prevalent in today's game because, again, uh, things are taken uh, a little differently and viewed a little differently. But yeah, you, you, you learn to watch hitter swings. You learn to watch hitter's tendencies. Um, and, you know, over time you could kind of figure out where a hitter's strengths were or where his weaknesses were. Or if he was swinging the bat well, seeing the ball well, or swinging the bat poorly. Um, so it, it's just, and then it's, you know, it's a matter from the pitching, uh, perspective of it all. It's all about executing your pitches. If you execute your pitches, the chances of having and, and you execute them consistently, the chances of you having success, uh, I think, are far greater. Well, that that actually leads me to my final question there, because and we can sit and talk the minutiae or the little logistics of pitching and the game of baseball all day long, as you know. Mm-hmm. But twenty five years to play, pretty impressive career and you were somebody who wasn't known for like that Nolan Ryan 99 out 99 mile an hour fastball or that really you didn't have that really power pitch that stood out how did you evolve and change your style over the course of your career because obviously you had a couple different pitchers such as your curveball or your cut up fastball you know there's certain things that you were known for but you weren't that you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know that as far as my stuff, uh, the pitches that I threw, other than adding a cut fastball, I was basically a fastball changeup pitcher and added a cut fastball and uh, learned how to sink the ball a little bit uh, as my career went. I did throw a curveball, but I didn't. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a pitch that I relied on a, a great deal. Um, but what I did, I think, over time or what, you know, what evolved was the, uh, consistency and the confidence. And I think when I learned and gained the confidence that I needed, um, you know, even to today, you know, I feel like I have the confidence at my age to go out and pitch. I know that I physically can't do it, but mentally, uh, I know that you know, if I get the chance to go out and make a couple, to get myself loose and made a couple, 
made a couple throws that I really feel like I would know how to do, know what to do with my body to allow myself to execute what I want to execute. And that, and that took me probably a little bit longer than most. Um, I was given several opportunities during the, the course of my career to figure that out. And, um, uh, it worked out for me, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know that there, there were no, there are no secrets to it. Um, and, you know, basically what I learned is, you know, repeatable mechanics, um, are really, really important and consistent mechanics, re- repeatable, consistent mechanics are really, really important. And when you can do that over the rubber, you can then execute your pitches at the plate. And then once you release the ball, you almost become a spectator. Uh, because the, the, you know, the game's out of your hands. The only other thing that you can do is, uh, cover first base on a ground ball to the left side of the infield, uh, be the police officer in the infield on pop-ups and backup bases. You know, it's interesting. You made me just think of one more question, and that's with all that information and experience that you learned throughout your career, were you somebody to go to other pitchers or anything like that that were coming up and pass on the information, or would you yeah, I, more of a guy if they came to you and asked? Yeah, I would. I would. I was both. Both. It just depended on the relationship I had with the guy or uh, the opportunities that would. Uh, uh, exist, uh, you know, some guys when they pitched, you know, you, they didn't, you know, you, they didn't want to talk to you. They didn't want to talk to anybody. Uh, there were other times when, um, you know, there were guys who were very talkative. So, or, you know, when a guy's successful, uh, I found that, uh, sometimes they, some guys weren't apt to talk and other guys were very talkative. Um, I found mostly when guys were struggling, uh, they were more, more apt to listen. So, um, you know, you just, you kind of go through your career and, and you learn about situations and learn about things. You know, believe me, you know, when guys came to the big leagues, you know, in most cases they have a great deal of talent, but probably one of the biggest things was that they weren't sure that they belonged and, that's one of the biggest things that you learn, I think, as a major league baseball, especially a young major league baseball player. You know, it's it's great getting there, but uh, um, and it's hard getting there, but it's even harder to stay there. And I think once you learn, um, you know, your abilities and your capabilities, and like I said earlier previously, um, having that confidence once you can can attain that confidence and maintain that confidence, uh, it does uh, allow you to have a better mindset to uh, to help your performance. But wouldn't that make it key and more important to, you have the talent to get there, obviously, like you said, but to maybe talk to some vets no matter what position you play? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, right. But, you know, talk, you know, as the terminology goes, talk is cheap. You know, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to put your own numbers up. And, uh, you know, we all go through ebbs and flows during the season. Sometimes, you know, you don't feel right. You have a mechanical issue or, um, you know, your arm isn't feeling right. It might be a, a health thing. So there's a lot of variables that go and come into play. 
Um, and then it's, it's also opportunity. You know, you have to be, be, yep, you have to be prepared for the opportunity that you're given. And some have more opportunities, some have less opportunities, some get opportunities in stressful situations, and some get opportunities in non-stress situations. So, you know, it, it, again, it all comes back to preparation. Makes sense to me. If folks want to see what's going on in the world at Jimmy Moyer now, are you on social media or anything like that? No, I don't really. Uh, I, I don't really do the social media thing. I'm, uh, you said I'm uh, basically a full-time dad and uh, really putting my emphasis into uh, my children. I've got two children, two children in high school and uh, two children in uh, middle school. So, well, you know, that's great to hear, especially in the world we're living in right now, that your focus is on the family and your kids, that's for sure. Jimmy Moyer, thank you so much. The Wiz Kids had won it, Bobby Thompson had done it, and Yogi read the comics all the while. Rock and roll was being born, marijuana we would scorn. So down on the corner, the national pastime went on trial. We're talking baseball, Klazuski, Campanella, talking baseball, the man and Bobby Pella. Are you annoyingly even keel? E-methamine could be right for you. I have a disease, all right? I need help. E-methamine lets you get gacked up on whoop chicken parts without yellowing one's teeth. Oh, yeah. Contact your doctor today if you experience the following. Oh, my God. Increases in blood flow, boost in testosterone, ending of erectile dysfunction. This medicine is made for extreme cases of being even keel or having extreme depression. Ah, oh, come on! Side effects include fits of rage, acne, bleeding in folks around you, whooping cough, hallucinations, comas, trouble swallowing, decrease in semen, increasing amounts of selling yourself, amnesia, night terrors, higher mortgage rates, and increased sensations in not having suicidal urges. Oh my! Not all football helmets are created equal. Zenith, the industry leader in protective technology, is the only helmet in the game with adaptive head protection featuring a shock suspension system that can move independently from the helmet shell. Headquartered and developed in Detroit, Zenith is committed to player safety and revolutionary innovation. Zenith is proud to protect athletes at every level from peewee to the pros. Learn more about the Zenith difference at zenith.com. That's X-E-N-I-T-H.com. Hi, I'm Bill Ripken, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. 